You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Generations. I'm Michael Callahan. And I'm TJ Newton. Today we are celebrating the unsung heroes of the theater. Understudies. We are so excited to have these two amazing artists with us today. Let's just go ahead and jump in and have them introduce themselves. I'm Branch Woodman. Hello, and I'm Frank Viveros. Now, these two have incredible resumes, and we are so lucky to have just a portion of their time and experience with us today. So today's episode is all about understudying, and we're just going to start off with a quick, easy question. Branch, what has been your favorite role to understudy in your career? Oh, wow. Um... Uh, probably the mayor in the recent revival of The Music Man. It's a role I never wanted to play <clears throat> and actively avoided because I had seen it played so well and so poorly in in my many Music Mans over time. And I thought it's just so hard to hit that perfect spot with that role. It's such a difficult balance and it scared me. And I also thought it's just not me. And I'm fine with I'm fine with a role that's just not in my wheelhouse. That never bothers me. So I just said, that's not in my wheelhouse. I have no desire to come near it. And when it was forced upon me, I had to come up with a, a some sort of a version of the mayor that worked. And, you know, it had to be my version of the role. And so I was able to walk away going, OK, I'm not everybody's mayor, but I did it. It worked on me, for me, in this production. If I never play it again, I can walk away going, okay, success. And especially amongst that all-star cast, oh my God, what was it like working with all of them? I try not to, I try not to, to go into headspace when I'm stepping in for somebody, but you can't help but take in the fact that I'm stepping into the shoes of Jefferson Mays. The unbelievably gifted, shockingly original Jefferson Mays. And and who couldn't be more dear, who couldn't be more supportive, kind, loving, as far as, you know, treating your understudies well. So there was no, there was nothing coming from him. It was all, all the pressure was coming from me, but I had to let go of that. And that, that was the biggest part. Yes, standing on stage and speaking to Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster and all the folks, again, I couldn't go into my head because that's not helpful to me at all. And I was surrounded by nothing but acceptance and love. And, and Hugh kept saying, whatever you do is great. Whatever you bring is great. And, 
true to form, he allowed me to just not carbon copy so that I could be real, so that I could bring what I could bring. And that kind of permission is is invaluable. I'm so happy to hear that, Branch. Uh, how about you, Frank? I was listening to him answer and I was like, oh, what would mine be? And then it actually is, I think, the Sultan in Aladdin. And the reason was because out of the three characters I had to stand by for, he was the less flashy. Like he wasn't the genie and he didn't have to scream in the sky like Babcat. So I was able to just kind of really think about him and like kind of put him in my body in a weird way. And especially because he's kind of like the role that everyone's like, oh yeah, you did it. But like, like I said, it doesn't have all of the showy moments that the other characters do. And I, I kind of developed like an intimate relationship with the character. Do you know what I mean? Like where I had to justify him as being even more important. So I... I think more so than any other of the other characters that I couldn't hide behind like flashiness. He kind of became therapeutic for me. Like I, I put aspects of a lot of the role, role models and men in my life into. And I don't know, I kind of would always look forward to playing him because I really would feel like a therapy session after finishing him. I don't know, like, because, no, because he really, he gets this really beautiful, quiet journey that has to change. And he's kind of like the change that I want for the industry, for the world. So I would have these really beautiful post-pandemic therapy sessions with myself with that role. It was like, really, it really was like soothing to my spirit. Um, and then I would leave and people would laugh and they'd be like, did you have fun doing the princess track? And I'd be like, sure. But for me, I was literally doing like emotional work. That's so funny you say that because that's one of those roles that we talk about on stage being like, people don't realize how specific that role has to be to land correctly because it normally goes to one extreme or the other. And to find a nice balance of it makes or breaks a lot of the relationships in the show. So now in kind of the funny, crazy world of understudying, do you have any hilarious understudy stories? Those last minute go-ons, those I was not supposed to cover that role. Oh, I'll start because this is this is all very fresh for me. Because we have just come through and, our, and I think, Frank, you might say that we're still sort of sitting in the, the COVID times. You know, the, the COVID really affected theater, not just Broadway, but, you know, theater and how we do our jobs. And it was our invited dress for the music man. And I had to go on as a principal that night, having had not one moment's rehearsal because of COVID. And it was the scariest thing I'd ever, ever done in my entire life to, to, to not have any preparation time for that at all. I'm blessed that I Music Man is in me, and uh, although I hadn't sung that quartet part, I certainly knew musically the show very, very well. So it was all about, you know, and I learned that I'm very, very good at peripheral learning because I didn't know any of the choreography at all, but I was surrounded by two people, three, who were doing exactly what I needed to do. So I was just the millisecond late doing everything. But peripherally, I was really good at that really that's a skill that i did not know i owned it was it was a terrifying experience that you just can't do anything but buckle up and get on that roller coaster you're you're strapped you just have to go through it so you have to let go of the fear it doesn't help and you have to tr- journey through that and that's how it was for all three of my cover spots because i didn't get any put-ins i went on for two of them with zero rehearsal so it was the the whole experience, and not just for me, but for a lot of people in the industry going on during COVID times, it was an unprepared, uncomfortable version of putting up a Broadway show and settling into a long run. 
And I knew that it was special and I knew that it wasn't forever. I knew it was just right now, this time in history. But boy, that was, that was the, that was the hardest thing I think I've ever done ever. Frank, you know all about that. Do you have any stories? <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know if it's funny, but it definitely traumatizing. Um, I, uh, the first time I ever covered, I was working regionally and I had just done a production. And then the day that closed, I flew to another city to do another production of the same show. Um, but that time I was going to um, stand by for the role that I had just finished playing. So I had just finished doing all them. I knew the music because I just closed the show and, and I, I don't know, I felt really confident. So the rehearsal process, I just felt really confident. And I was covering two tracks. And it was I was it was a production of Ain't Misbehaving. And I was like, oh, let's go. I just did one of the guys. I have to learn the other one. And then I, in theory, knew what being an understudy was and covering people. Like, I, in theory, knew. And, like, I, you know, you school and you watch people learn it. And I knew. And, you know, you do things in school. But professionally, I was always like, I'm going to be prepared. There's something about thinking you're prepared and then thinking you're going on. Because I got a call that, I thought was telling me that I had to come in immediately because I was going on that night. And I thought I was going to die. Like, I really went through, like, the most dramatic levels of, like, but am I ready? Like, I I mean, I did all the things. I cried. I was, like, excited. Then I would, like, then I get to the theater. And it was just the rehearsal that had been bumped up in time. And they had it, like, clearly left me a voice. And, I mean, I showed up with, like, my, I'm playing. It. It's like, I'm, I'm in the role. I'm in I, like, dress like the character. Just because I needed to, like, convince myself that I was. Because I'd played the big boy. And I had to play the thinner one who dances. And I was like, yes, let's go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do And I literally show up. And everyone's looking at me flushed without color, which is hard for me to do. But just flushed. And everyone's like, Frank, what's wrong? And I, this is it. This is my first time going on as an understudy. And they were like. No, you're not. Like, what are you doing? I mean, I brought treats for the cast, y'all. Like, I was ready. But, like, the fear that that day gave me, I still I still know it. <laughs> it still triggers me to the point where, like, I start rehearsing the day before rehearsal. You know what I mean? Like, I have to be prepared because I remember that feeling. I remember dreading walking to the space, being like, I know 60% of what I have to do. Like, I never... When I tell you I was scared that day, I'm talking to you. I talked to my priest about it. Like, I was scared. I do think that understudying is a a very specific brain space that you have to live in. I mean, and and like you said, if you've never done it before, it is is truly a new skill to both learn and execute. And I do think that every person in the industry needs to understudy at some point and swing at some point. One hundred percent. It helps open up your mind, but it also humbles you in a way that I think is really important for performers. Yes, because I know that, you know, one of the things that I concentrate on is when I have, when I have a swing on for the first time or third time, when I have a cover on an understudy, when, when someone is working with me as a partner, a dance partner or a scene partner, I make sure that, and I know a lot of people do, I'm not special here. We make sure that we envelop them with love and grace and forgiveness and permission. And all I say to everybody that goes on, if I get the chance, I say, your only job is to get from A to Z. That's it. It's not being good. It's not being perfect. It's not being right. It's literally to get through it. That's it. Period. So I really quickly have to share my understudy story because it actually involves branch. My first big job out of college was... Cinderella on Broadway, and I was an understudy for Jean-Michel, was my little overachiever self. And I had watched the show enough times before I was in it in my ensemble track. 
And I had basically charted the entire show as Jean-Michel. I took one show where I just made sure I knew exactly where he went, knew the lines. I went into my first rehearsal with Ira Mont, and I'll never forget. I was like, I have two questions about this track. I don't know how this works, and I don't know how this works. And then we ran it. And at the end of it, he answered my two questions. We ran the whole show. And he looked at me, and he goes, you know it. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I came in knowing it as best I could. And that weekend, that Saturday, no put in. I had had one rehearsal. And he said, I'm putting you on. And I went, okay, okay. Wow. And I will never forget Branch Woodman uh, stood in the wing and in a very subtle and beautiful way supported me through the entire thing. And what I have to say that I really appreciate is that it wasn't BS because it wasn't over the top. Oh my God, you're so amazing. Oh my gosh. You're, you were like, that's it. You're doing it. That is it. I've remembered that my entire life and I will never forget it. Well, you know, we've all been in that. It, well, most of us have been in that place. And I remember, I remember being a fan of yours from the minute you came in because you were kind and humble and shockingly talented. So, and, and I knew that you were young and I thought, Ooh, beginning of his career, I can see, I can see your future and I hope you can too. And I love meeting people like you where I can see your future. I love, I, I, you know, I'm working with some young folks right now and I can see their future. If that's what they want for their future, I can see your future. And I saw your future and you're living your future. I knew that I knew you would still be here. I knew you had great things ahead of you. And you did. I felt like I had them too, because I was surrounded by you and people like you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, speaking on going on without a put-in, what do you think is the proper rehearsal process that should be allotted to understudies? Longer. Just longer. Immediately. Especially now, while we're still dealing with COVID, because it's not over. The expectations of an understudy are now even more daunting because now you know you're going on during previews when you definitely haven't had a rehearsal. Like that's just now a given in New York, period. Like there, there's no more like after we open, we'll start and we can really focus. No, day one, yes. That old school mentality of like be as prepared as possible day one. Yes, many people will be that attempt to be and learn it while the actual person who plays the role is doing it. Sure, but you can only do so much, especially when you're already focusing on your own track. And the expectation is wild because, yes, of course, no one's telling you you have to. But professionally, you feel that expectation. You know, from your peers, you don't want to disappoint people. So I don't know what the answer is, but it has to be sooner and longer. Because it, you know, to put on, on a person, whether you say it or not, the feeling of the show won't go on without you. And especially when it's a young person who feels like, oh, this is the way that the industry will look at me forever. It's it's heartbreaking to watch someone put that much burden on themselves when it's not their fault. It's it's not their responsibility. Yes, of course, it's a responsibility to cover the role, but when giving the adequate tools, and I feel like that's what we're not doing. We're not given or being given the adequate tools. So we're all figuring out how magical and heroic we can be, which is lovely. We can all applaud each other for doing insane things with limited time. But I really think it's taxing. I really think that it 
it starts um, to chip away at um, feeling respected and feeling valued. Um, and I'm watching people just really get drained because they feel like I'm not enough because I can't do this by myself. And I'm like, but you're not supposed to do it by yourself. Like it's a community that uplifts you so that you can help us. It's, it's really hard right now. And I, like I said, I don't know the answer, but I need it to be addressed in a larger form by everyone. Cause I really think that it's disrespectful. For any friends listening, the standard amongst a lot of professional theater is that you will not start rehearsing your understudy trap until after the show is open, after the show is frozen. Of course, things have changed now with COVID where covers are going on way earlier. Start at the very, the first, the very first preview without any type of rehearsal. For folks not in the industry, you know, especially when you're doing an original piece or a Broadway show that is, you know, different than an Oklahoma somewhere across the country. <clears throat> it's not that people aren't thinking of you during rehearsals. It's just that the show isn't finished. How can we teach our understudy something we have not blocked? We have not written. We have not, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to teach understudies a show that isn't finished, but that that's the trick is how do we as understudies during rehearsals feel up to speed? And that's the thing is we have to learn how to do that better and differently because we are not, we are not given any time, any tools until the show is set and it's too late at that point. Every production is different. Sometimes there are tools that you are given, some rehearsal videos. Sometimes you're allowed in the room during creation. Sometimes you're not allowed in the room during creation. People don't want extra folks in the room, not because of secrecy or, you know, they're not confident about stuff. It's just that they don't, they want to be able to focus. And I get all of that. But we have got to start moving the timetable forward if the performance timetable is going to move. Frank, when you said this, this is something that I try to say from from my vantage point at my age to young folks who are struggling with having to go on, you know, I've I've twisted my ankle, blah, blah, you know, all of this pressure. The show will go on. It doesn't have to go on with you. It is never our job to keep the curtain up. It is never, this is my opinion, it is not my job to keep your curtain up. I, have, of course, 100% agree with this. The dance captain brain in mine comes out with the expectations of an understudy, especially younger understudies I'm learning, is something that we need to be more verbal and forward about. Meaning that if you have, unfortunate, unfortunately, the short rehearsal time, you as the actor need to come forward and say, if you expect me to do this, I need one, two, you need to know what you have to have in order to go on. And that's a very scary thing to walk up to a dance captain or a PSM or a director and say, I'm, I would love to make this work for you. I need to have this intimate moment with this person and rehearse this. I need to work on this music. I need to do this fight sequence. And I think as an understudy, if you find the confidence to take hold of your experience, your outcome and your experience of it become a lot, a lot stronger. And I find that a lot of young people don't know how to approach it that way. And so they get that flustered. Well, okay, yes, well, I have to keep the show curtain up and I'm going to have to do it. I'm like, no, you do not have to. But in order to do it, what do you need? And if I provide that in the next eight hours, I will. But if I can't, then I can't. But now on the flip side of that, <laughs> I think that for young understudies and you know anyone who's new to it, there are certain expectations I have when you come in the room. I expect you to know all of your lines. I expect you to, if you've been taught the blocking, 
the next time I see you, you know, almost all of it. And I think that that's something that's been lost in translation, that a long rehearsal process will be multiple times hitting certain things. And it is not. Normally, it's I'm going to get you through all of it. You're going to tell me what you need to review. And then I, we're going to review it all together. And then a put in and then you're good to go. But that's been an interesting thing, especially coming back from COVID that I've discovered is that these are the expectations I have on your first day of rehearsal. Like, you know, most of the lines. You have an idea of what's happening in the show if it seems that you've been in. Like, you know, Branch, you were talking about periphery learning. <laughs> like, I, I think it's really interesting. If an understudy comes in with exa- absolutely zero on the first rehearsal, I'm like, okay, that didn't have to be where we started. But I understand that and we're going to work with it. Yeah, and that's a timing thing. You know, if you come in with nothing ready, I'm going to assume that it's really early in the process. If If we have had plenty of time for you to know a few things, then yes, you should know a few things. We need to know what the expectations are. We need to know what the permissions are. And the only way we do that is by communicating. I'm a, I'm a, a big promote, promoter of communication, not just in theater, but in life. The, the communication is the most important thing that we as human beings have between each other, uh, as friends, as family, as partners, as coworkers, as everything. It is all about communication. And so I try very hard to make sure that everything I need to say is said. Say what you need to say. I can't expect you to know what I'm thinking or feeling. I have to say it. And if I'm in a position of teaching or or partnering or supporting, I make sure I say all of the things and not assume that you know anything. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When you're covering a role, can we talk about the balance you have to find as an artist in making something your own as opposed to filling the exact shoes of the person you're understudying? That's something that also not only changes by actor, it changes by day, it changes by who the team is that you're working opposite, because there are teams that say they don't want you to regurgitate but they want you to regurgitate and others who want you to do the complete opposite. Like they want to see in you another option. I know that for myself, if I'm going to do something and I want it to be honest, it has to be anchored in my own truth. So automatically there's going to be me within it. It it has to be. If not, I don't feel authentic and I don't do this work to not feel authentic. Always with the respect of what has been created, like what what the beat is that, that the room needs, like what do the other actors need? It's not about me fulfilling. It's about giving them what they need, really. I'm the band-aid for the day, so it's about what they need in that moment. But I will say that when you do find a team that is slowly trying to make your performance resemble someone else's, it can hurt because it can feel like your contribution doesn't have merit. But I think that taking that ego out of it is really important for me. In that moment, remember, oh, I'm here to serve this purpose. And if this is what's needed of me in this moment, I will do that to the best of my ability. And those are the moments when I have to find other artistic outlets if I don't feel like I can put all of myself into anything that I'm covering. I often find that when understudies go on, scenes become heightened. Everyone kind of starts paying attention again. You know, when when everyone is free, when everyone's free to really create. And to me, that's 
re- freshens up a production again. People remember why they're saying things when it's not just a song that they're saying. You know what? People say lines sometimes, like their song. Oh, I say it now. There's something about listening again when someone's new that I love it. I personally love it when covers go on. Like I really love the energy, that 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 sense of discovery that everyone is forced to have because you don't know what's going to happen. So I I welcome all creative teams to really let everyone just be themselves. It is always the situation that you're in that defines what your expectations are. Uh, I have been asked to regurgitate, even though I've never been asked to regurgitate. They never say, well, do it exactly this way. But, you know, after your first performance and the, and the raft of notes come your way to make sure that you're moving, <laughs> to make sure you're moving your pinky on count three, it becomes clear. Oh, okay. You did say that you were fine with everything I was doing, but now it's very clear that you're not fine with it. And of course, everything's done with love and kindness. And it's never, it's never a, a negative situation. But as a understudy, and maybe it's a self-confidence thing, you, you start to feel the molding happening. Not always. It depends on the team, as Frank said, very clearly and the situation. I have found that I have learned to what I call reverse engineer. I watch the person I'm covering and then I go, why? Why did you choose without asking them? Because of course you can't, you can't really have, it's not PC to have those conversations and tell me why. And you know, you, you're, you're not allowed to do that. You have to do all your own work isolated. But I have begun to reverse engineer the cover roles and go, why did you choose that? Why are you choosing that? Why that moment? Why that inflection? Why that move? Why that beat? So that I can then make sense of it without having to start with the motivation. I can start with this situation and then guess the motivation. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. That's what works best for me. And I think that that's without labeling it as such. I think that's what we all do. That's such a great way to think about it, Branch. I've never thought about it that way, but I think I might inherently do the same thing. We have to take apart, we have to take apart an engine that already works. We have to take apart the engine and figure out how, why it works the way that it works instead of being a part of the creation of the engine, which again, it would be nice to be in the room. It would be great to be in the room. I want to be at the table read, sit and listen so that I don't have to get all those notes for motivation and the whys and the, you know, I let me be in there. I'll shut up. I'll be very quiet. You do your process. You have your conversations, but at least I'll be privy to and can start ingesting all of those notes that you're going to give me eventually. Branch, I think that actually is a wonderful segue into our last question. In this post COVID world, you know, we've already discussed time being in the room, what are other ways we can support the understudy experience as an industry that might not be happening right now? Respect. I think that when we're teaching people, I think that this idea of hierarchy within the theater community, that has to be abolished because the way that we respect everyone and one another is is extremely important. And I'm I'm witnessing some younger people coming in with the idea of, oh, my leads are the stars are at the top of the chain and my swing in the company is all the way at the bottom. They're there to pick up the scraps. And that's A, wrong, but it also breeds a really negative feeling. I think that the most important thing in the theater is the relationships that we built with each other, period. Like that's that's the most important, the, the company, the, your peers, the people that see you every day. And oftentimes when I see that little lack of respect because of this thought of I'm above you, it breathes something. It just slowly starts creating this negative feeling and I hate it. And it's so dumb because eventually you realize 
oh, every one of those swings, I know we're not talking necessarily about swings today, but like those are the rock stars of your show. Those, Those human beings are the ones who I don't understand where that brand comes from. Not respecting the people who truly are there making it work, I think it's disgusting and it doesn't allow for us to really embrace each other. I think understudies have to understand that you're a part of the show whether you were brilliant that night or you weren't, whether you messed up every line or like instead of this feeling that your company is always judging you or that you have to perform for them or show off for them. I don't know, I really love the idea of it being nurturing of it being a whole bunch of people playing make-believe and trying to do it as best as they can, but with love first and with respect. And I just think that the word respect is overused and not real anymore. And I need it from from people. And I need to give it. You know what I mean? Like, And I have to be called out when I'm not on top of respecting everyone. There's been a shift, at least in my eyes, because of COVID, to recognizing and giving visibility to swings and understudies in a way that didn't exist in the past. Swings were sort of the redheaded stepchildren rather than being a part of the family. And now we're getting to a place where we realize, oh, swings the same as everybody on stage eight times a week. The the equality there is so clear. I'm also hoping that at the top, the outside of the company, that we that we gain a little bit more respect from not creatives. Creatives are very respectful of swings of their company, I feel. But management and PR, it is bothersome to me that some in some situations, and I'm speaking about Broadway, not outside of Broadway, that we are not allowed to celebrate when understudies are going on for vacation weeks or swings are on, that some contractually we are not allowed to go on social media and say, hey, I'm going to be on for such and such a role this week. Now, that is not across the board because uh, in as one example, Funny Girl was very, very good about celebrating Julie Benko when she would step in for Fanny Brown. And some companies have been very good about alpha buzz going on. And, you know, so it is not an across the board thing. But I have certainly been in situations where I am not allowed to talk about the fact that I'm going to go on tonight or tomorrow or next week or whatever in whatever role. And I find that to be negative. It says we're not proud of you. Don't talk about it. We're not proud of you. And I know that's not what you wanted it to say. But there's a component there that you cannot deny. So I want that to be a big part of I love that social media is beginning to celebrate swings and understudies in, you know, having Max Clayton go on for Hugh Jackman and to be, you know, over the top celebrated and talked about and put forward. That's how it should be for everybody. Of course, that's an unusual situation. It's Hugh Jackman. Anybody stepping in for Hugh Jackman gets looked at. But, you know, we had a situation in, in Hello, Dolly, where one performance, Linda Muggleston went on for Bette Midler at the last minute. And it was a huge deal in the Broadway community, but we didn't talk about it outside of that. I'm not saying it wasn't allowed to be talked about. It just wasn't talked about. And that kind of visibility and celebration was clear in our community. A lot of people turned in their tickets that day because Bette Midler was going to be out. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's your right as human beings. But what that did was it took a sold out show and gave a whole bunch of tickets available for everybody on Broadway that wanted to come and see their friend Linda Muggleston or anybody else in the show get a ticket to a sold out show 
and come and support. And they did. They came out from the Namugliston that day. That was thrilling to watch. Aside from the fact that, you know, I, I stood at the bottom of a staircase on stage and saw my dear friend appear at the top of it dressed in red and red feathers in her hair. And I wept like a baby. We all did. But that's that's what we get to do. That's the joy of what we get to do when understudies go on is we see the people we love just absolutely succeeding, absolutely living their very, very best, scariest, worst, most exciting time. And what I love about performers like Linda, who I've seen go on and is incredible, any role he goes on for, is that he has made, she and others, and I don't know if, if you two identify your careers as this, I've started to identify mine as this, a career that is primarily understudying is something that is you should be very proud of, I think, in this industry. And that is a place to land. I think there's this idea that we work as ensemble, then we can number studies, and then one day we'll only play leads. And I think that that is part of that hierarchy that we need to get rid of. Being a career understudy, quote unquote, is an exceptional thing. It is an exceptional gift. Yeah. And when I work with young folks and I, and I, or do master classes or Q and A's, I always say, you should do, you should make sure that you sing and dance and act and play the piano and tumble. All those skills, great, wonderful. But if you can learn to cover, if you can learn to swing, the more you do, the more you'll do. TJ, I think both of these humans are new to you. I love them so much. And this conversation is exactly what I had hoped and even more. We're going to end on a high note, if you will. Outside of yourself, who has been your favorite understudy to either go on or see? For me, the the people that I've watched in my career and worked with, like Dottie Stanley, who is a few years older than I am, but she made her Broadway career in the her debut in the original Annie and has worked on Broadway and national tours and regionally since then. She's had these great star moments and she goes back and forth, back and forth, standby, ensemble, cover, star, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And her and Linda Muggleston working with Linda several times. And she has taught me how to be an understudy in ways that I had not paid attention to before. Watching her work, watching her learn, watching her prepare has told, has set for me the bar as far as being a, a good, quality, reliable understudy. Look, I tried to rack my brain for one person. I did, I did, I tried, but I couldn't. So this is, so for, for me, and it, it's a broad, and it's only because I just spent four years in that show. The swings at Aladdin, period. Because I watched Incredible Humans. I don't know where they stored their ego, but they stored it. Anything that was thrown at them. Watching the preparation, watching themselves, like not make themselves small, but just letting other people take up all the you know energy in the room, then taking a breath, and then slaughtering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being so incredibly fierce. And it humbled me. It taught me. And I also would look forward to going on with them. Thank you. Your $10 will come in Venmo now. <laughs> I think that this was such an incredible conversation. And I think there's so much I've learned from it and so much that our listeners will absolutely learn from it. Thank you, Michael, for introducing me to two of your amazing and incredibly talented friends. I hope our paths cross one day and we get to meet in person. Pleasure to meet you both. Thank you for lifting up Understudies, thank you for lifting up a corner of the industry that is starting to get a little bit of light. And and I, as an understudy, appreciate what you're doing. Please stick around for a post-show discussion with Michael and I. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow, Michael. Thank you so much for gathering these two amazing guests. I had such a great time talking with them about covers. I'm particularly obsessed with covers. I love going to the theater and seeing, you know, the board outside, like with who is on for who. That always excites me because, like, especially with older shows, sometimes when you get a cover on, like, they breathe such fresh energy and excitement into the show, into the roles. And like Branch was saying, like often I don't think understudies are given the respect that they deserve or the time and attention they deserve um, in preparation. So I, I was happy that that we were able to commit, you know, this conversation to celebrating them. You know, if any, if I took anything away, it's that um, these two very successful, very, very successful understudy cover artists only talk about it with leading with love and respect. And I, I love that that's the, that is how they verbalize their experience of what they've had and also what they're looking for in the understudy world. Understudies have solely kept theater going for the last two years. Theater would not exist without understudies. So it's always shocking and baffling to me when there's not enough coverage or understudies aren't given respect by fellow performers. I'm like, Y'all know, like, you'd be out of a job if it weren't for understudies that were making sure the show goes on no matter what. Do you have any um, favorite understudies that you've seen go on? Okay, you're going to laugh at me because we keep talking about her, and we actually tried to get her as our third guest on this episode, but um, Linda Muggleston covered for Victoria Clark as... Marie, or the fairy godmother in Roger Hammerstein's Cinderella. And the track that I was in the show, in the ensemble, I basically had to be on stage with a puppet for all of um, Impossible It's Possible. Were you the fox or, what was the other one, a fox or what was I it? I was the raccoon, thank you very much. Oh my gosh, okay, the raccoon. So I would make it a point to actually get to my spot early because I could watch the entire scene from where I, like my like perch upstage left. And I would make it a point to watch Victoria Clark because, well, a, a masterclass in performing, consistent performing, brilliant. And then there were there was a, a, a couple times I got to see Linda go on and I would get there and I would watch her. And like Branch was saying, it was like taking notes on how to be an exceptional performer, an exceptional cover. And I remember, I remember really specifically watching Linda make it her own in ways that I was like, because, you know, I was 23. So I was like, that's not what Victoria does, but it was also brilliant. And it, and the Cinderella's would always roll with her. And it was, it was a masterclass. It was, a, it was a joy to watch her take on that role because it, at the same time, it was like, nothing was different because no one could tell there was an understudy on, but somebody who sees it, I knew every choice she was making was her own. And I think that's the balance that makes a brilliant understudy. All about finding the right balance because you have to respect your actors that are doing it every night to make sure that you don't throw off their performance. But also you have to give yourself, you know, the freedom and respect yourself enough to 
put yourself into this role because also when you're auditioning for shows in general, you're often given an understudy packet. So obviously what you did in the room before you saw anyone else do it works in some way with the creative team's mind as well. What about you? Who's your favorite understudies? Um, I've seen so many, but she's on my mind right now because she's a dear friend and she took over as Elphaba on the second national of Wicked, Olivia Valley. Okay. And she's been a very, very good friend of mine. And I got to see her Alphaba debut on tour because I happened to be working near Boston when Wicked was in Boston. And so I got to sit with her family and we watched her, you know, play Alphaba for the very first time. That was over four years ago. And four years later, four years of hard work and patience. And she's playing the part full-time now on tour, which is huge. So I was so blown away by her performance, and I recorded it, of course. Oops, don't, you know, promote bootlegs, but whatever. She's a friend. So, like, the other day, her debut, I, like, listened to her Defying Gravity, and I was like, wow, what an unbelievable first performance in that role. And now she's doing it full-time, so the entire country gets to see her take on this role. And it's, it's cool when shows promote their covers. I think that is amazing. I think more shows should do it because you have these people that live with a with a role, whether they're performing it every night or not, eight times a week for a year or so. Those people are going to know the role and the show inside and out more than someone that comes in you have to teach them in a week. Give someone an opportunity to step up to the plate who has already been there, already been on the team and put in that hard work. That That's kind of how I feel. You know, my challenge to management teams would be, or um, producers, because I do think post COVID they've been, they really have been so wonderful about supporting understudies and swings, which is truly a new thing. That is new. And I love that that's the direction we're in. But my challenge is that we start doing photo shoots in costume with the understudies because the the version of support we have right now is the resharing of an understudy being like I'm going on for Jasmine this weekend of them in the dressing room in their costume and I challenge that we start taking pictures of the understudies in costume so that that is our advertisement rather than Again, it still feels like it's a little bit under the radar. doesn't take that much extra work, and it also means so much. I have to say, because you just inspired me with a friend of yours who was an understudy and now is playing a role, I did a regional production of West Side Story at Oslo Theater in Sarasota, Florida. And this little ensemble fierce dancer by the name of Izzy McCullough understudied Anita. And I understudied one of the Jets as well. And and I remember one understudy rehearsal we had and she came in and she gave the most incredible performance I've ever seen for no audience, just with all the understudies. And it, it, that was one of the moments where I looked at her and I was like, you are on a different level. You're on a different level. There are so many like stars. You look at even, uh, was it Britney Spears was an understudy. There are so many people that have worked their way up and those are the artists that I look up to those artists that stuck with it and understudying is not the most glamorous job. Sometimes you get one rehearsal, sometimes you get none and then you have to step up to the plate. And so the people that stick with it after that, I'm like, yes, give them a full-time offer. Give them a full-time contract. I did in the Heights four times. The first three times I was understudying, I was in the ensemble and understudying until 
the final fourth time, not the final, but the fourth time when I played Usnavi. And I really felt like I earned it because I was like, I put this work in. It's a great feeling to have. I to see your, your Usnavi. Me too. <laughs> I, have, I, did it, I did it four years ago, almost four, four or five years ago. So I, I, I've grown so much. So I would love to get the opportunity to do it again. Well, I'm really glad that we had this conversation. It's so important for right now, but it's so important for artists in general because i feel like this is another part of the industry that we that everyone knows about but nobody really knows how it works in the the until you're doing it yeah it's hard to teach someone to be an understudy you know what i mean that's right so thank you so much for tuning in i'm michael callahan i'm tj newton and this is generations Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.